thou fount of every blessing Turn my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious song and Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mountain fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love I was lost in utter darkness Till you came and rescued me I was bound by all my sin When your love came and set me free And now my soul can sing a new song Now my heart has found a home And now your grace is always with me And I'll never be
Good morning. We want to welcome you to join us here at The Point with our online worship service. My name is Jason Ford, and I am the missions pastor here at The Point, and want to welcome you this Lord's Day as you join with us from wherever you are. And hey, today is a special day. I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. And I pray that you have the opportunity, even in these less than ideal circumstances that we are in and uh, social distancing and having to keep uh, distance from some, I pray that you are able to honor and cherish your mother and appreciate her today. And mothers, I pray that you just feel especially blessed this day, this Mother's Day. Want to wish you a happy, happy Mother's Day. Again, glad that you are joining with us today. Uh, there's a lot going on in the life of our church. want to make sure that you're aware of that. On a Wednesdays, Pastor Derek is preaching through the book of Micah. Make sure you're checking in and being blessed at that time of teaching with the Word. Uh, Pastor Kevin is doing a lot with the kids on Thursdays. We've got connect groups that are meeting throughout the week. Um, so make sure you go to our church website, call our church office to find out information about how to connect in those ways. Uh, check out our social media and website and you can find out about how you can be plugged in with those opportunities. I just want to thank you so much for your generous giving. One of the things I really want to celebrate and just thank you all for is the way that you have given generously to our North American Missions offering. That offering goes to support missionaries and church planters throughout North America, through our denomination, and through connections we as a church have with church planters that we support. We did not put a monetary goal on that. We just thought that given the circumstances and the days that we're in, we didn't want to put added pressure on that. But had, we not, had this not been going on, this crazy COVID days, the goal that we had had in mind was $30,000. And I just want to tell you that as of last Monday, you as a church family have given $30,900 without us even setting that goal and putting that before you. God has allowed us to meet and even surpass the goal that we would have set had all of this craziness not been going on. So I want to thank you so much for your continued generous giving that allows us to minister. And part of that giving, we've also been able to give to needs in Peru. We're going to be giving towards uh, masks in Bangkok and Thailand that are going to be shared through our IMB, through Southern Baptist missionaries serving in those places. We're also going to be giving to uh, partners that we have in Uganda that have needs to, as they are trying to feed and help those who are really struggling in their congregation and in those areas. So thank you so much. I just want you to know that your giving is touching families, is touching uh, helping be a part of advancing the gospel in our area, in our nation, and even on the other side of the world. So thank you for your faithfulness in that. And we want to continue to minister to you as best we can, stay connected with you as best we can. If you have prayer needs, if there are things going on in your life that we could come alongside as a church staff and lift up in prayer, please let us know. And the best way to do that is emailing us at prayer at longviewpoint.org, prayer at longviewpoint.org, and we'll receive those, and we will lift those prayer needs up to the Lord. So please take advantage of that opportunity that you have to reach out to us so that we can continue to stay connected and to pray for you. Hey, we are so thankful that we can have this time together to worship, 
to sing and lift our hearts to the Lord and open up God's Word and continue to be fed by the Word during these days. So I'm thankful that we can meet in this way and I'm looking forward to the day when we can all gather in this space together again. But until that day comes, continue to stay faithful. Continue to seek Him and continue to lift His name high as you have opportunity. I'm going to pray for us now and we will continue in the preaching of God's Word and lifting our voices to Him in song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is so good that we can come before You. Because in days like this, we're reminded that we don't have the answers. We are not in control. Yet You are enthroned in heaven. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. You rule and You reign. You are not caught off guard. You are not surprised. You know the end from the beginning. And Lord, we pray that in the midst of these times, you would be at work all around us, Father, squeezing people's hearts by your Holy Spirit, drawing them to you. Lord, I pray that there is someone here today checking in online that is going to be hearing the word preached. And Lord, that you would work in their hearts to draw them close to you, bring them to a point of repentance and new life in Christ. Lord, we are so thankful for your grace and your mercy and we recognize that we are needy people and there is no one nowhere nothing we can turn to that can give us the peace that we need other than the person of Jesus Christ and I pray that his name is exalted in this place today that his name is lifted high and worshiped and made much of and it's in his holy and powerful and precious name that we pray amen
Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. that you've done for us. Oh God, you are so good. Sometimes I'm strong. Sometimes I'm weak. Sometimes I fall in my wandering. But through it all, there's just one thing more precious than the air I breathe. Grace, amazing grace, unfailing grace that saves my soul. Grace, unending grace, unrelenting grace that won't let go.
hands up that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night and then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living and who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. Well, the cross is spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Oh, Jesus Christ, my
Good morning, Longview Point, and happy Mother's Day, moms. I hope you're doing well where you are. Under normal circumstances, we'd be beginning um, a, a family series, a marriage and family series that would take us through uh, the Father's Day weekend. But given the circumstances that we're operating under these days, I thought it best that we continue in our exposition of 1 John. So we're going to do precisely that. We have what I think is a timely message from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. The focus of John's uh, interest here is on the topic of discernment. If there were ever a time in the history of the church when the Christian folk needed discernment, it is now. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about discernment with regards to political or social issues. I'm talking here about spiritual discernment. The need for Christian folk to have good discernment, to be uh, discerning, to be wise, to be able to determine, to determine the good from the bad, by far predates COVID-19. And it will exist well into the future should the Lord tarry. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Here's what the Bible says. Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they're from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit who doesn't confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is coming, and he is already in the world now. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. May the Lord bless the reading and the study of his word. John makes one major point here in verse 1 of our passage, and it's the point upon which everything else in these six verses hangs. You simply cannot believe everything that you hear. Look back to verse 1. Dear friends, don't believe every spirit. Now, spirit here is a reference to the teacher led by a spirit. We're operating under the assumption that every preacher, every practitioner is preaching under the leadership of a spirit. That is true, it seems, within the context of faith and practice. But here John says, be careful that you don't believe every spirit, which is virtually the same as be careful that you don't believe every teacher, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You must test the Spirit to see if it's from God. Not all teaching is from God. Not all teaching that is religious, is good or wholesome, healthy, from God. There are many false religions. There are many false gospels. There are many false Jesuses even out there roaming about. There are many false gods. You must be on guard, be careful, be cautious that what you hear that what you partake of spiritually is good, wholesome, of God, that it's consistent with the, the message of the gospel we have heard from the beginning. We've noted a few times along the way in our study of 
1 John, how John uses this idea of what you have heard from the beginning. It comes up periodically in this letter. The idea here is that John is rooting the church in the ancient message, in the old message, in the gospel that has been heralded from the beginning, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. John warns that many false prophets have gone out into the world, not just a few, but many false prophets have gone out into the world. When, when I look at the condition of much preaching, the condition of um, what I call American Christianity, that is a qualification that I intend to be something somewhat different than true Christianity, I, it, is, it is quite concerning. During the quarantine season that we've all been in, in all likelihood, you've been exposed to teaching from all sorts of places, from all over the world, and certainly from all over our nation. Hopefully, much of that has been good and healthy and wholesome. But you have, in all likelihood, at the same time, been exposed to all kinds of insanity at the same time. It's, it's uh, confounding to me uh, how we can be duped by such things at times, but many, 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 many people are. John says it's not just that a few false prophets have gone out. It's not just that there are a few teachers who are operating under the influence of a spirit that is not of God, but many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, we throw that out there, and in our mind, we have preconceived notions about who is the true and who is the false prophet, what is the good and what is the bad teaching. But John gives us some criteria by which we can determine the true from the false, the good from the bad. Look now to verse number 2. John says, this is how you know. Again, there's that phrase. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit who doesn't confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is coming, and he is already in the world now. So the first way that John says we can make a determination whether a message is true or false, whether uh, the prophet is of God or not, is by the content of the message itself. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And the idea of confession here is a little fuller than what we typically think of when we think of confession. When we think of confession, we think of simply admitting something, acknowledging something as true. We often think in our culture of, of, uh, of opening up, admitting to some guilt in our past, some wrongdoing or transgression. The idea of confession here is not only acknowledging that Jesus is the Christ, having come in the flesh, it's a, it's a statement that affirms our willingness to come under His Lordship. We are acknowledging that we are subjects of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what John has in view here in noting, they say not only that Jesus is the Christ, but that He has come in the flesh and is from God, is that they have an orthodox confession. Their teaching is consistent with the Scripture. Their teaching is consistent with the message that has been heralded from the beginning, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a specific heresy that stands behind John's concern here, but this principle remains the same today. You can evaluate the nature of a teaching ministry on the basis of the content of, of the teaching ministry itself. 
here, everyone who, who, every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God is brought into our day and age. We make modern day application of this by noting that every spirit that teaches an orthodox, biblical, Christian understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a teaching ministry. It is a minister who is under the influence and leadership of the spirit. But every spirit, verse 3 says, who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is coming, and he is already in the world now. Over the Easter weekend, uh, just to note how subtle these things can be, uh, over the Easter weekend, I was uh, watching the major news networks, and we were at the peak of the COVID-19 crisis in our country, and there were a number of religious figures who were brought on over the course of the weekend. I watched one of, if not the best-known preacher in America, uh, make three appearances on the cable news networks that weekend without ever naming, without ever speaking the name of Jesus. Here John says in verse 3, every spirit that doesn't confess Jesus is not from God. I would say to you that, that every ministry that does not have Jesus at its, cent at its center is simply not from God. It's, it's not just that it's marginal. It's not just that it's fringe. It's not just that it's sort of uh, out there in a neutral position, not good, but not harmful. No, John identifies this kind of ministry as operating in the spirit of the Antichrist. He says, you have heard that he is coming and he is already in the world now. John's helps, helped us to understand this concept earlier in 1 John where he says that there are many antichrists who've gone out into the world. So the first way that John gives us to determine what is from God and what is not is on the basis of the content of the message. There's a second thing here in verse number 4. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That is, John is saying, you have victory even over the false prophets because of the presence of the Spirit of God in you. Now, there are a couple of things here. Usually, when I hear conversation about Antichrist, about the mark of the beast, and various other topics that sort of fall under the heading of apocalyptic conversation, there's almost always this tone of concern that somehow true believers are going to be duped into taking the mark or swept up in the worship of the beast or the Antichrist. Somewhere down the road, we'll get to some of those topics. I'm not sure that all of that is quite the way we see it within American Christianity, but I want you to know that if you are a true believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you have been saved and sealed by the Spirit of God, there is no danger of you being duped by the Antichrist. There is no danger of you being swept away unwittingly into something that's ungodly and, and out of step with who you genuinely are in Jesus. John makes it clear, church, you, you are of God. You have overcome. Not, not because you're better than most people or because you've mastered a few principles, figured some things out. No, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I think this works itself out ethically as well. You have achieved some victory over sin in the world. You are walking worthy of the calling with which you have been called. We could sort of 
flesh this out a little bit here and get down to a place where we could say, and I think rightly so, if not in the context of 1 John 4, 4, certainly in the context of the New Testament, that you can know whether a ministry, whether a spirit is of God or not on the basis of the character of the messenger that brings the message. Now, there's uh, certainly reference here to victory that the believer has over these evil spirits and presumably over sin. But if we back away and look at the larger picture of the New Testament, we can certainly say that this is the case, that the character of the messenger speaks to the nature of the ministry itself. Does the life of the messenger reflect the work of regeneration? You think about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus comes to the end of the Sermon on the Mount to what I call the invitation part of his sermon. And he says there are two ways that you can go here. You can go the broad way that leads to, to, that leads to destruction or you can go the narrow way, the straight gate that leads to life. And then he immediately transitions into this idea of false prophets and how you best identify them. I see Jesus as painting this picture of a crossroads in our life. And there are prophets there at the gates of the straight way and the broad way. And they are pleading, they are wooing us that we would come in one direction or the other. Jesus said you'll be able to identify the false prophets by the fruit in their life. A good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit. Jesus is essentially saying what I'm encouraging here and what I believe is at least implied in 1 John 4, 4, that the character of the messenger says something about the nature of the message itself, the work of the spirit behind the message. Does the life of the messenger reflect the work of regeneration? Look now to verse number 5. The Bible says they are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. Verse 6 says, we are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. I would suggest to you that one of the critical ways that we can evaluate or test the spirit is on the basis of their, their source. What is the source of the message itself? John says in verse 5, they're from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and anyone who knows God listens to us. Now, if you're thinking critically about what is said in verse 6, we're from God, and anyone who knows God listens to us, that can sound like the height of arrogance. But remember, this is the Apostle John speaking. And the us is not the whole of the church. The us is the apostolic gathering. Those who have been uniquely commissioned by Jesus to bear the good news of the gospel in the world in, a, in an authoritative way that is simply not enjoyed by me or any other believer in this day and age. They are the apostles. It is through the apostles that the New Testament scriptures are issued forth. They are inspired inerrantly by God himself through the work of the Spirit. We, we might say that the, the Spirit that is of the world draws from worldly experience. It speaks on the basis of worldly philosophies, personal experiences. It, it appeals to a worldly mindset. But the Spirit that is of God appeals to the authority of God's Word. The source of the gospel message is the gospel itself. It is the Word of God itself. We might ask, on whose authority does the messenger speak? 
this is why I'm convinced that we should preach and teach in a very specific way, in an expositional way, preaching on the authority of God's Word. There's an extent to which you will afford me the liberty of stating certain things in my authority as a pastor. But that authority is small in comparison to the authority of God's Word. I would much rather speak on the authority of God's Word. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think. Frankly, it doesn't matter what you think. Our opinions don't enter in when it comes down to the evaluation of what is true and what is false. The truth is the truth. There's, there's no possessive of truth. There's no your truth and my truth. There is, frankly, just the truth. So we speak from the Scripture, on the authority of the Scripture. John says, we are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. Now, again, here is an apostle speaking, but there is some 21st century application here. The spirit of the text suggests that we are better together when it comes to discerning the truth than we are in isolation. This is one of nine million reasons this is not the best way to do worship. And I cannot wait until we're on the other side of this experience and able to be back together again. There ought to be within the church a, a general acceptance of the truth of the gospel. If there's not a general acceptance of some gospel truth within a church context, something is horribly wrong. We listen better collectively. We're, we're able to, to bear accountability and to hold others accountable with regards to what is true concerning the Scripture. We are from God, John says. Anyone who knows God listens to us, and anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. Um, I, I, I can remember going through seminary, and from time to time someone would have a new idea about a passage. New ideas on 2,000-year-old books are always a bad idea. It's always a good thing to evaluate yourself against the history of interpretation, against uh, traditions and those sorts of things. They don't bear the authority that the Scripture has. But I can assure you, you've not come to a new revelation about the Bible that hasn't been given consideration to at some point in time in the history of the church. The source of the message... The source of the message is a big deal on whose authority does the messenger speak. We've already touched a bit on this fourth and last test that I want to share with you. The audience or the reception of the message is a way of evaluating or testing the Spirit. How does the church receive this teaching? How does the world receive this message? Now, there are times, and there always will be times, when the church is out of step in a certain area or perhaps has gotten adrift theologically in a particular area and it may be difficult. There may be troubled waters and a rocky road getting back on track. There may be times when there's pushback against certain doctrines or certain issues as they're addressed in the church. But we ought to be able to go back to the teaching of Scripture and determine quickly to see plainly before us what God's mind is, what the will of God is in a particular message. One of the things that John is touching on here, noting here, is that popularity, or we might say celebrity in ministry, is more times than not a sign of danger. 
not something that we would be drawn to, but something that would cause us to really perk up and to evaluate, to test on the basis of, of, of these tests, to make application of these principles in, in overdrive a bit to ensure that we're not being led astray by this particular spirit or this particular teaching ministry. So John gives us four ways here to determine what is from God and what is not. The content of the message, the character of the messenger, the source of the message, and the audience or the reception of a message. How does the church receive this teaching and how does the world receive this teaching? For me, and I've said this for years and years, and I hope that you hear me say this until you can say it over in, 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 with your eyes closed, with your hands behind your back, without a thought. For me, there are really three tests by which we can evaluate teachers. Now, I'm, I'm helped in my personal life by podcasts and sermons from other brothers from all over our country and all over the world, and I hope that you are too. It's one of the ways that we can feed our soul and be about the business of sanctification. For me, even if I'm not able to sit down and to listen intently, the, the, having in the background of my life the proclamation of the Word of God or the singing and celebration of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a much more pleasant noise for me than the racket that the world makes around me. So that's often the case for me. I hope that you're being exposed to teaching in the same way, even when you're not able to settle and concentrate on teaching, that you're listening along to the teaching ministries of our fellowship, but certainly to other gatherings and other places as well. But you need to be discerning. So here are my tests. There are three. Uh, I'll add a fourth here, but it's really assumed in the first three. A teaching minister in, in order to be valid, legitimate, in order for us to say confidently that he is teaching in a manner consistent with the Scripture, must have the doctrine of the Trinity right. And in order for you to evaluate that, you must have the doctrine of the Trinity right. I hear a lot of Christian folks who treat this as though this is a secondary or a third-tier issue, mostly because they don't understand it and aren't willing to take the time to understand it, but this is a foundational issue, and if the foundation is cracked at this particular point, all else will ultimately tumble. God is three distinct, coexistent, eternal persons who are one in essence. Each of those words chosen very deliberately. Teaching ministry must have the doctrine of the Trinity right. Secondly, the nature of Christ that he is all God, and he is all man, and he exists eternally so. M many of the teaching ministries that trouble me today get these first two wrong. I could list you off some names here, but rather than field emails for the rest of the week, I'll just tell you that you need to get the doctrine of the Trinity and the nature of Christ right. Jesus is eternally the Son of God who came in the flesh in the incarnation, born of a virgin. The third is the nature of man. We're not just a little sin sick. We are dead in our sins and trespasses, and apart from the work of God's Spirit in us, would never awaken to the goodness of the gospel in Jesus Christ. You simply cannot miss that. We are sinners by birth, and we are sinners by choice, and as a result, we are deserving of hell, and we are undeserving of God's grace. If a teaching ministry doesn't get that, it has missed the mark. 
The fourth, again, which is assumed in these first three, is the inerrancy of the Bible. You've you got to get that the Bible is our authority. The, the Bible is where we find direction and leadership. Now, now, one of the things that is different about our context and John's in 1 John chapter 4 is that John's congregation would not have had access to the Bible in the same form that we do. They would not have had a closed canon or closed New Testament. And so the scriptures that are referred to when John speaks of the scripture or when other New Testament writers speak of the scripture are the scriptures of the Old Testament. We're still at a time in 1 John where prophecy, in a literal sense, is still a part of the instruction of the church. Under those conditions, the ability to test the Spirit is critically important. But if you think about it, in some ways, not a lot has changed. We now have a closed canon, a Bible that is finished by the Spirit of God. God has inspired the Scripture. God has closed or sealed the Scripture. This is all of God's Word to us. This is all that God wishes to say to us. Now, we, don't, we shouldn't, at least, deal with this issue of oral prophecy in our day. Anything that the Bible has already said would be redundant if it were repeated today. And anything that we're out of step with or in addition to what God's Word has said would be heresy. So that's really not the question. It really boils down to the authority upon which we speak today. What is our basis for saying what it is that we have said? And I would just say to you as we wrap up here this morning, anything that does not cohere with, anything that is not consistent with the teaching of the Scripture is not from God. We must be diligent to test the spirits to determine if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Would you go to the Lord with me in prayer? Father, thank you for your word and for its truth. It is the centerpiece of our life and our church. Lord, it is the direction for us and our fellowship with you. We thank you for the work of your indwelling spirit guiding us to discern the truth, to rightly divide the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would hide this word away in our heart that we might not sin against you, that you would guard us and keep us, Lord, against that day. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your word, that the words of the apostles, the authoritative, inspired word of God has been preserved and handed down to us that we might know your will, your way, and your mind in all matters. God, I pray that you'd be with our people wherever they are. Lord, that as they're encouraged by uh, the teaching ministry of our church here, teaching ministries all over the world, Lord, that they'd be wise and discerning, knowing the true from the false, the good from the evil, the right from the wrong. Lord, we pray that you would grant this so. Hold us fast. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This morning, the victory that John speaks of in verse 4, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, that victory has been granted by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is not a statement that John makes universally. It's, it's not as though all people are the little children of God that John references here. No, these are those who have been bought by the blood of the Lamb of God. 
Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, shed his sinless blood in order that sinners like me and you might be forgiven of our sin and restored to fellowship with a holy God. Jesus died on the cross and rose again the third day. That victory ensures life and victory and resurrection power for all who will trust and believe in Him. Peter says in the Pentecost sermon that the promise is to you and to your children and your children's children, to those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Jesus said in John 10, My sheep know my voice. I call their name. They hear and they listen and they come to me. This morning, if you've heard the call of God on your life, if the voice of Jesus Christ is calling by the Spirit, would you break down your pride and yield to the Lordship of Jesus? Turn away from your sin and come to the Father through the finished work of Jesus Christ. There's a place at the cross for me, and there's a place at the cross for you as well. Trust and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. This morning, if you've been connecting with us for some time online, perhaps you were worshiping with us before we were uh, forced to go to this online format for a season, and you've been giving consideration to coming into the fellowship of our church, I want you to know that we're offering some starting point. That's our mandatory membership class. We're offering some starting point opportunities in Zoom meetings, and we've already had a couple of those, maybe three of those, are behind us now. If you'd like to participate in a starting point meeting via Zoom, if you'll reach out to us at prayer at longviewpoint.org or one of the numbers on the screen before you will get you the information that you need to go through that process. If you're watching this morning and you've believed the gospel of Jesus Christ but have never been faithful in believer's baptism, I want you to know that baptism is an order from the King that when we've come under the authority of King Jesus, that it's our desire to do what He's instructed us to do. And the Bible says, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sin as an expression of your faith in Jesus and public acknowledgement of what Christ has done for you in history past. Maybe this morning you'd wish to reach out and to identify with the church through baptism or at least to begin that process. Even now, we're talking about baptism services on the other side of the quarantine. I know that's not a possibility today, but there's a day coming soon, we pray, when we'll be able to meet again and to celebrate new life in Christ and the preciousness of the gospel in believer's baptism. I want to encourage you again. I, I know I have several times over the past weeks, but it would be our absolute delight to have the opportunity to hear from you of what the Lord's doing in your life to counsel with you and to encourage you right where you are to continue to keep the faith and to follow faithfully after the Lord Jesus Christ. Could I pray with you once more before we dismiss? Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've provided us in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that in spite of all the dreadful things we've done, that there is new mercy in the gospel. God, I pray for the brokenhearted, for the guilty, for those who are just wrecked with shame. Lord, even for those who are sick, uh, God, I, I pray that, that the weary and heavy laden would come to you this morning and find rest for their weary soul.
God, I pray that you would speak and work and move powerfully through the work of your Holy Spirit. Right where you find us this morning, have your way. May your will be done in the homes of those watching all over this area. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, Longview Point family, we miss you immensely. I can't tell you how anxious I am to see us back together again under this roof. I hope it's sooner, uh, sooner than later. Moms, happy Mother's Day from our whole staff. We miss you as well. I hope you have a great day in spite of the quarantine. Maybe you're able to find a way to do something a little special. But until we uh, are able to meet again, know that we love you and uh, we hope to see you soon. Have a great day.